This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Monday, it's the 23rd of October 2023. And today we're talking all about Soundscape Community. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am gorgeous. Thank you, Stephen Scott. And I'm excited today. Yeah, me too. Me too. This is a conversation which I must admit, so we, we've obviously chatted a lot about Soundscape and its demise uh, at the tail end of last year. We've talked about the demise of uh, Soundscape from Microsoft and its I think the word is sunsetting. That's the word that keeps coming up. Yes, it is. I like that new word. It sounds nicer than it actually is. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, that's, it's when, you know, the dog goes to the farm for the yes, rest of its exactly. life. Yeah, yes. that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so being sunsetted. And what happened was, of course, the long story short is that Microsoft made the source code available to individual developers. Anyone, frankly, who wanted to create an app uh, using the Soundscape code could go on and do that. So they didn't just shelve the project. They didn't just chuck it away, all the hard work gone. They actually kept the project alive, but essentially allowing other people to take part in it, which is wonderful. It is, yes. And let's not forget for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure there's not many of you out there, Soundscape is a fantastic and amazing mobility app for getting your orientation. It uses 3D audio. You can drop beacons, say, at your home or at the entrance to a shop or at building, anywhere. And it beeps away in your ear and you, you track it in 3D space. So if it's on your left, you know it's on your left. It's really useful. And the thing for me is it's just so accurate. Mm-hmm. So many GPS apps can be, you know, oh, you're here and you could be you know, 100 feet away. And for some reason, I don't know why, Soundscape just feels like it's so on point. It's always just where you are. It's so useful. Well, today on the show, we are going to be joined by uh, David Redmond, also uh, Aoife Buckley. They're both from NCBI, that's the National Council for the Blind in Ireland, to talk about their part in developing Soundscape community. But we're also joined by the guy, one of the people, the co-founder, if you like, of the original Microsoft Soundscape, and that is Jarnil Chudge. I'm so pleased to welcome all of you to Double Tap. Uh, Jarnil, thank you so much for being here as well. Uh, I want to start with you. Tell us about the the inception of uh, Microsoft Soundscape and how it all came to be. Oh, gosh. Uh, Yeah, where to to start? Well, I guess the work itself started here in the UK back in probably 2011 or so when myself, um, Amos Miller, I guess the co-founder, was a trustee of the Guide Dogs organization. And uh, at the time, they were thinking about how they could use technology to uh, better serve their customers their uh, their members and the and the broader community so we he made some introductions and given my background in design and so on Amos particularly felt that taking a more design centric view to thinking about or framing uh, the challenges and the opportunities that it had would be would be really interesting and um, following that we actually ran a workshop 
uh, whilst at Microsoft in 2011. And doing that workshop, I think we had about 15, 20 managers from across the guide dogs business, but we didn't talk about technology until uh, the last couple of hours of the second day. But we spent the majority of the time talking about the stories that guide dogs wanted to be able to tell in terms of the impact that they were having as an organization. And one of the themes that came out of that was around mobility and independence. And uh, yeah, cutting a, a long story sort of massively short, we then in 2012 were able to put together a small team of uh, myself, a couple of sort of colleagues in the consulting part of the uh, Microsoft business and a group of interns. And essentially what we, and I'm working very closely with guide dogs, uh, and what we sought to do through that uh, funding that we received was to produce a vision video that would kind of look five, seven years out into the uh, the future. So not 10, 20, 30 years where it's sort of, you know, science fiction-y, but um, at a more, uh, at a time frame that was sort of easier to uh, to relate to. And of course, we were then looking at near-term technologies or technologies that were just on the horizon. And during this process of working very closely with the blind and low vision community, we spent a lot of time with mobility instructors, of course, a lot of people, uh, uh, a lot of time with people who were blind. And uh, I guess from a design and research point of view, going out with them uh, when they were, uh, you know, going to the bus stop or going to the uh, going to the shops or meeting up uh, with a uh, with a friend, always accompanied by a mobility instructor. But it gave us the opportunity to ask questions right at the point of experience. And it was during one of these uh, research visits uh, where there were a group of us that we uh, came across a small fountain in a courtyard in central London. And reflecting on this uh, a couple of days afterwards, both myself and Amos uh, recalled that the sound of the fountain, regardless of whether it was coming ahead of us or behind or to the side of us, based on where that sound was coming from, we always knew where we were in relation to it. And that's why we started to really think about using sound as a, a way of allowing us to have greater awareness of where we are and what's around us. And because it's something that we process so naturally and intuitively, you know, we can have a conversation with the person that we're with while still being able to pay attention to the sound, the, uh, the outside world. That's what really made us double down on, um, on using sound. Of course, we thought about computer or machine vision, and I guess one of the reasons that uh, we didn't go down that particular route was I think there were some technologies out at the time that hadn't gone down particularly well in terms of uh, your privacy and, uh, and so on. Uh, and, yeah, I, in that video, we then presented, I guess, 3D spatial audio as a way of having the central character, Bill, who was blind and actually played by a blind uh, actor, uh, undergoing a uh, series of uh, experiences on a typical day out uh, with his family and uh, how sound really helped him stay on top of what was going on, deal with challenges, issues, but also learn and discover more about the uh, the space that he was with. And in addition to that vision video, we actually produced a a really hacky prototype where we had this big gamer headset. We put some sensors on top that allowed us to determine which way a person was facing. Those sensors were then attached to a small printed circuit board that we put inside a Cadbury's biscuit tin, which was then tethered to another person holding a laptop. And But essentially, it allowed us to sort of create this little uh, virtual soundscape uh, around a person. And uh, uh, we then 
were very fortunate that internally within Microsoft, this work got picked up by the uh, accessibility uh, employee resource group. And before we knew it, uh, we were presenting to the uh, the most senior people in Microsoft and managed to convince them to uh, fund us. And I, one of the reasons I think they were really motivated to do this was that, A, we were consultants working in the field with real people looking at uh, real-world challenges. And it, this, this, this wasn't you know, product development for the sake of product uh, development, but this was a, uh, a a fresh environment, uh, a fresh perspective, and a new and different way of doing things inside Microsoft. And remember, this was around 2012, and the organization was really undergoing some pretty significant uh, change and transformation. And we were very lucky, I guess, from a timing point of view. And we then essentially got funding to do R&D in the wild here in the UK for a uh, for a couple of years. And Amos and I led that uh, program. And worked very closely with Guide Dogs and RNIB and a whole host of uh, um, other organisations in retail, travel, transportation, local government, uh, entertainment, and so on. Wow, that's quite some story. Before I ask my question, i got to say thank you so much, Jarnell, for all the work you and your team did because it was a game changer. Yeah. And, and, and moving on from that... Well, hang on, hang on. Can, can I also just ask, in amongst all this, what happened to the biscuits in the biscuit tin? Of course. Do you know what? I, 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 we did have a storage cupboard, but of course, due to multiple office moves, uh, oh, yeah, it's one yeah, of the yeah, things yeah, that... Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just, ignore the way. Yeah. just ignore him. It's fine. What? Oh, talk about throwing me off my uh, stride there. Um, <laughs> how did you know sound and audio was the answer? From the start, you mentioned about using that fountain and how an, an audio landmark, an anchor point, if you will, is something that we actually use quite a lot um, as visually impaired people. It's really important. Um, but how did you know, yes, this is the right way to go? Because as you said, you know, you mentioned computer vision. That was very popular for a time. And, uh, you know, it was probably a lot of people thought that was the way to go. But was it when you put up the prototype with the um, biscuit tin and everything that you thought, you know what, this works well? Or was there a time when you thought, eh, maybe I need something else as well as audio? Yeah. Well, initially, I think it was a, a couple of things. And, and I guess this happened over the uh, the first few years of the uh, the project because it was called Cities Unlocked at the, uh, at the time. Uh, first, I think as designers and researchers, we were just really intrigued about using sound in this way because uh, it meant, uh, for example, that we weren't continually looking at the screen of our phone. And that to us was really, really important. And particularly from the perspective of a uh, person who is blind, they may be using a guide dog, as Amos did at the time, or using a long cane. And having to take your phone out and interact with it is disruptive. It interrupts the flow of uh, your experience, the conversation that you may be having. And it's not an experience that anybody particularly enjoys. And especially if you're blind, you know, having to take your phone out, not being aware of what's going on around you is pretty anxiety-inducing. So for us, mm. we often characterize this as um, an experience which was heads up and hands free. And that was really, really important to us because it then allowed you to relate far more effectively to uh, who you were with, the environment around you. And I guess the the second point was uh, when we first, we did that prototype and then we engaged on this sort of two years of R&D, which essentially meant working really closely with all these partner organizations that I've meant, mentioned to create these experiences in the real world for real people. 
And the first thing that we naturally did was uh, use uh, sound as a way of basically instructing you what to do and where to go in much the same way that uh, you know, navigation apps uh, do at the moment. And sure enough, the feedback that we had from the participants who took part in this was, was really powerful. It was uh, something that changed their relationship to the environment because all of a sudden they knew where things were in relation to them and they knew what those things were. They had access to information that uh, they'd never really uh, been able to uh, experience before. But there was one thing that we sort of realized uh, that uh, by giving people prescriptive information, we were still telling a person what to do. And sure enough, if this was a route that you were familiar with, your access to this additional information made for a richer experience. But what it wasn't doing was giving people the confidence to, to travel independently. And this is where some of the research that we did and we asked people, okay, so how is this technology making you feel? And they certainly sell, yeah, more informed, certainly. But it's making me feel more empowered and more connected. And and we really wanted to dig deep into that in terms of, well, what does this mean for the relationship that you have with the places and the spaces that you're in or that uh, that you travel through? And that's where we made a complete 180-degree about turn in our approach and um, and our philosophy because instead of being – prescriptive and telling a person through sound what to do you know walk 20 meters and then turn left and then replace an audio marker directly ahead of you so that you knew to walk in that particular direction we then focused on providing a more descriptive sound audio experience so instead of telling you turn by turn instructions if you wanted to go to the um uh, the library based on where you are we would allow you to then place a virtual sound mark where that library was so for example it would come at two o'clock then you would know that um, in relation to me it's at two o'clock and because you'd hear it at two o'clock and about a meter or so outside of your head you would know that at some point, if I'm walking ahead, I need to think about turning right. And of course, Soundscape gives you all the information about upcoming intersections. As you're getting closer to where you want to go, it'll count down the, the distance as well. And through this way, we just completely empowered people to travel independently. And we actually did a, uh, a research experiment in Reading where we had, uh, out of 12 people, eight people had never been to Reading before, and we gave them a... Um, an exercise of you know, walking from the train station to John Lewis in the centre of town, then to a coffee shop and then across to the town hall and then back to the train station. And everybody did that, of course, guided by sound. But what was really interesting was then when we asked them afterwards to virtually plot the spatial relationship of all of these different places relative to each other, they all did remarkably accurately. And mm. uh, yeah, they were saying things like, I no longer feel like a stranger. And so I think that was probably the defining moment that we knew that sound was just completely capable of transform, you know, transforming the experience of a person's mind, but actually for everyone, because it means that we no longer have to be that person walking around with a phone in their hand, looking at that blue dot on the screen, thinking, am I where I think I am? Am I heading in the right direction? Uh, and so on. So it was actually proper evidence-based uh, research that, uh, led us to develop the audio experience in Soundscape in the way that we did. There is one question I want to ask you, John Neil, and it, you know, 
you don't have to answer it, but I want to ask it to you. What happened at Microsoft that, that led to the Soundscape app being turned into an open source project? Was that always the plan or was that just dropped on you from a great height? Uh, yeah, Microsoft made the decision to sunset the uh, application and uh, uh, released the code to uh, open source. And as a result of that, uh, myself and uh, Amos were both affected um, given notice of uh, redundancy. So one of the things that uh, I've been doing since then, since leaving Microsoft in February this year, is working closely with a number of um, partners and collaborators that we developed really, really good relationships with uh, in my time at Microsoft, uh, prime among them being uh, NCBI, to uh, look at were we willing to come together and uh, find a way of uh, pooling our expertise, our resource, our experience to uh, try and get Soundscape up and uh, up and running again? And you know, thankfully, uh, you know, all the partners that I reached out to said yes. There was NCPI, there was uh, Kenya in France, and Vibe, Onse in Spain. We had. Uh, in the US, uh, Capital Region Nordic Alliance that we've been working really closely with. They focus on adaptive sports experiences. We worked with RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and their open source uh, program. And uh, Pixel Space, a uh, fantastic uh, design um, agency in uh, North America, who actually did a lot of the UX work on Soundscape uh, while we were at Microsoft. And... Um, a number of uh, former members of the the Soundscape team uh, as well, very, very generously uh, uh, devoting their time and experience to this too. Is this a bittersweet for you, Jarnell, in a way, because you're here, you're talking about this project, about almost a rebirth of this project, but you know, you're not doing it at Microsoft. Is that is that bittersweet for you? It's, uh, it's different, certainly. And uh, I guess, the way that I uh, look at it is that, of course, there's uh, there's sort of pros and cons. Uh, uh, and I think one of the uh, the great things about working in the open source uh, community is the opportunity it's given us to uh, uh, reach out, for example, as we did in the summer when we learned about the OpenScape uh, effort, to come together and pool our efforts. Up until then, we'd been working under the name of Soundscape for Everyone, and when we learned about OpenScape, we sort of reached out, got to uh, know each other, and then decided to uh, work more closely together. And we've got great uh, support there within the uh, open source uh, community, very, very talented uh, individuals who are devoting so much time and effort uh, into this that it's, uh, that it's absolutely uh, fantastic. And, of course, you know, building the, uh, the whole experience from the ground up in a way that uh, – it allows us to uh, think about well, what's going to be the most effective, most efficient way of you know, implementing the back end, for example. How do we think about getting the word out into the uh, community? How do you leverage the network of all the different groups, partners, individuals, and organizations uh, involved, uh, and so on? So, that collaborative spirit that we always had at, uh, at Microsoft in relation to Soundscape, uh, in many ways, uh, that's, we have far more freedom and flexibility to uh, to work within the open source community in that regard. Okay, so let's take this story on to its new chapter, which is where we bring in David and Aoife. And this is really interesting because 
NCBI gets involved in this open source project. Uh, David, perhaps start by telling us how this partnership got started. Yes. Yeah, so I guess from my point of view, um, my experience with Soundscape uh, up until very recently had always been as a user. Uh, I'm visually impaired myself and I, like many visually impaired people, I'd been using the Soundscape app uh, in its Microsoft iteration to, uh, you know, get to, like Jarnell said, a library, things like that. Um, and uh, infamously, the, the NCBI Christmas party, which one has to go to, you know, so <laughs> these little things. So uh, we got to those kind of things. And for that, Soundscape w- was very beneficial. But I remember um, just early December uh, last year, uh Microsoft announced uh, that they were going to be sunsetting uh, the project. And my first impression on that is, okay, uh, because I'm in a content role, how are we going to cover this? And I remember at the time there were discussions about, uh, do we go forceful on Microsoft? Well, you know, what's the position here? Um, but Chantel and her team over in NCBI. So Chantel uh, works for uh, Possibility Lab, which is uh, the kind of orientation and mobility kind of wing of NCBI, if you will. Um, so they reached out al- along with uh, NCBI Labs, our technology division, and uh, Jarnell uh, was involved uh, and the whole team kind of came together then and uh work began on Soundscape Community. Um, I remember then there was a a beta program for a while, uh, which was public. That was the first time I got the uh, Soundscape Community app on my phone. I was able to play around with that. And that was, I think, the first time, because Voice Vista was out at this point. So this was the first time, though, that I got an impression of, okay, the old Soundscape interface, which I personally am a fan of, that was the first time I got an impression that, okay, we're going to be fine. And my kind of thing around that point was, okay, when's this going to be out? Because at the time, I think Microsoft had set a, a date of, I think it was the end of June at this point, that they were going to shut it down. That was later extended to the end of August. But I just remember thinking, okay, let's get this thing out there now. But as far as all that goes, that was a project for uh, Jarnell and his team. And uh, they did it, which is brilliant. They got it out. And uh, now I've been able to use the Soundscape community app in place of the old Microsoft Soundscape app, uh, which, yeah, has been fantastic. Um, And great to have options too, whether that be, you know, Voice Vista or... Uh, more recently, the the project from the Scottish Tech Army. I mean, yes, I work for NCBI, but for me, I just want the best Soundscape experience. I'm a user at the end of the day, so I just want the best experience. And I've really enjoyed having options in that regard again. So it's been brilliant for me, from my point of view anyway. I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. The more, the better. Um, Aoife, if I could just bring you in and ask, as your role as an O&M instructor, what what benefits did you see personally from Soundscape? Um, well, as Janelle mentioned about fountains, um, that's really interesting because uh, that is actually a basic method of training that we would use to, to work with somebody who is learning um, orientation and mobility skills. Um, so somebody would learn 
the direction that the, the sound of the fountain is coming from. They would change their body position. Obviously, the, the direction of the fountain would appear to come from a, a different direction. Um, so that is a, a fundamental orientation skill. Um, and that is why soundscape is so useful in people learning their way around or people finding their way around um, both new areas and familiar areas using the direction of the sound in the same way as we all use the direction of sound to to find our way around any location. Uh, when you hear the road is on your left-hand side, um, it's because the, the noise is coming in through your left ear. If you're walking down the street and you're, you're not using vision to learn what's around you, you're, the, the marker coming in your left ear might be the post office. So you know then that the post office is on your left-hand side. Um, so that's really the, the, the basic reason why soundscape is so interesting to me as, a, as an instructor. Did you get any feedback when the announcement was made that Soundscape was, well, maybe going away? We, we got a lot of feedback and, and people were very worried about you know the, the, the loss of that Soundscape um, that they had. Did you get any feedback from any of your clients or, or customers? We, we did. Um, we have service users who were very disappointed to hear. They were worried. Um, they, a, a lot of people had got very accustomed to depending on soundscape as uh, because it's so unintrusive. Um, you can just have it on in the background as you're walking down the street. Um, so people became very used to having it as a, as a layer for, of confidence, really. Um, and when they heard that it was going to be off the shelf, um, it, there was a lot of concern around that's a great phrase, by the way, a layer of confidence. I really like that. It's, it's absolutely true. I can also, if I may, I can add to that as well, because we were uh, doing a lot of the content around that uh, when that announcement was made. So from our point of view, we saw a lot of that reaction immediately when we started publishing, say, newsletter articles and podcasts. We saw the questions come in straight away. And we also operate a help desk here in NCBI for technology queries. And when those announcements were made, that was insane. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And there was a lot of... There was a lot of upset there because I think the app was removed from the App Store quite quickly. And there was a period there where people weren't able to get access to Soundscape. Uh, if they didn't have it already. And there was a lot of confusion around what's going to happen. When are we going to have Soundscape around again? Is there going to be another Soundscape? Is there someone working on this? And those were all questions that we were being asked. And at the time, we could only speculate, really. Uh, We kind of had to wait and see what came of it. And thankfully, the outcome was good. But I don't think that was, at that time, Christmas 2022, I don't think that was by any stretch. That was by no means a guarantee. And that was a very uncertain time, I think, for a lot of users of the app. And I think we certainly felt that within NCBI. And yeah, it was quite an interesting time to watch the reaction and also how reliant, in some respects, the community had become on such a a great tool. So, yeah, it was an interesting time for sure. 
David, Aoife and Janil, stay right there. We're going to talk more about all of this. I have some thoughts of my own to add into all of this. That coming up next here on Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon at Double Tap. Welcome back. And we're talking all about Soundscape community today. We have uh, one of the original co-founders of Microsoft's Soundscape, Jarnil Chudge is with us. Also, we have uh, Aoife Buckley and David Redmond from NCBI. That's the National Council for the Blind in Ireland, joining us to talk all uh, today about the developments of Soundscape community. Now, you've all been talking about the, the value of having multiple versions of soundscape out there i am not on board with this right i have to say i think there should be one soundscape not soundscape community soundscape scotland or whatever it's called and voice vista you know i don't want all this i want you guys to work together so is that something you're thinking about is that something you're conscious of are you worried about that but first of all uh I completely agree. Uh, one of the things that really motivated us once we learned about OpenScape was to, uh, to almost sort of yeah, avoid that multiplication of apps, and because that's only going to be uh, confusing for the uh, for the end user. It's only going to uh, add to um, kind of you know, wastage, and uh, in many ways, make it much more difficult to over the longer term to be sustainable. So at one level, while it's really good and really heartening to see, obviously ourselves, Soundscape Community, Voice Vista, the work that Scottish Tech Army have done, because it shows that there is uh, interest, willingness, motivation to actually work on this technology to, to get it out there. But ideally, absolutely, it would be amazing to be able to pool all of these different uh, initiatives under one umbrella and find a way of uh, optimizing the work because ultimately it's the uh, end user that's going to uh, benefit from this. So I know when you had uh, Kirsty from the Scottish Tech Army on your uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, it was really, really heartening to hear her talk about uh, collaborating uh, uh, with uh, with others. And uh, I'm certainly hoping now that once uh, this gets out there that we'll have the opportunity to uh, make that outreach and uh, look at ways that we can collaborate. Don't get me wrong. I love the fact that everyone is innovating on this. And it's why I've said for months now, I think we'll be thanking Microsoft at some point for the decision to go open source. Now, John, you might feel differently about that. Yes. Um, But (laughs) I do think that a lot of people will say that from the perspective of, thank goodness the project was allowed to continue, that your work did not go down the drain, that it can be realised. But I do think there's a question about long-term sustainability of a number of different apps. But actually, Kirsty's point from Scottish Tech Army, when she came onto Double Tap, she said that the reason they had done this was because of sustainability. And that was one of the the key pillars for them creating this app was that they wanted it to be sustainable and they're working with various partners to achieve that. Uh, David, from NCBI's perspective, what are you guys doing? Are you guys working on that same model of sustainability long-term with partners? Is that how you're looking at this as well? 
Well, Jarnell can probably speak to this better, but I think it's a case of there's so many partners involved from uh, NCBI, yes, but we, we've also got a number of different partners involved. And I think the thinking behind that was always that if for whatever reason, you know, changes occur at one of those uh, points, whether that be NCBI, whether it be any other group within that consortium, that the Soundscape app will be able to sustain itself. So in a similar way to, uh, you know, what what Kirsty said from, from Scottish Tech Army, the Soundscape community app has been built on sustainability because we can't, I don't think it's actually realistic that we can't afford to go through that process again where we had soundscape in the hands of one organization um and then that relationship between soundscape and microsoft fell apart at least with something like soundscape community um and while the ncbi i know for one is highly committed to this but it's also been built on that point of sustainability that if partners did for whatever reason pull out of the project, the whole project doesn't sink. The, the, the whole ship just doesn't go down with one partner. So I think it has been built on sustainability, but I think Jarnell can comment more on that than I, I can. I, 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 no, I completely agree with that sustainability is absolutely fundamental to the approach of putting this consortium together. And I think what it means is that uh, we are then no longer subject to you know, the whims of an individual or of a particular business because through this collaboration, through this consortium, we've got resilience built into the uh, uh, built into the uh, the product into the uh, into the group, and uh, finding a way in which to make ourselves more resilient, more self sustaining. That also gives us the platform or the foundation on which we can continue to innovate is ultimately what we're trying to do with uh, with Soundscape, uh, with the Soundscape community. Yeah, absolutely. It seems I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of parallels between you and what Christy was saying from the Scottish Tech Army. I mean, yeah, sustainability and, and partners and working with people. So it does seem that you're very much aligned. So it, it, it does seem to make sense that there was some sort of um, cooperation there. That sounds fantastic. For me, it, it's about how we're going to see this app evolve because, Janelle, thanks for the work that you did. The foundation is absolutely amazing. The concept has been proven. And, you know, the uptake and the... the I used the word fear when Soundscape was, was announced that it was disappearing. Um, there was a fear out there. I don't think that's too... That's um, a great word for it. Yeah, yeah, it's yep. not too strong a word to use. I, you know, it, it's something that people really did did love and uh, well, do love. Sorry. Um, so I, I think yeah, that there is something out there that that, that this should should never go away again. But I, I, I want to see where we go next. I want to see those features come in. The, the Voice Vista, the developer behind Voice Vista, has been doing some really interesting stuff with his version. Um, as far as I know, I think he's just a standalone developer a lone wolf i believe he's been called <laughs> he's doing some amazing work there i'm really interested and as as a separate you know as three separate versions go along um i think it's great that that the people st- stood up and actually got this thing up and running again and i think that's absolutely why we're seeing three different versions at the moment but in the future 
the, the, the coming together and seeing, okay, what other features do people actually want? I'm really interested in that uh, prescriptive description <laughs> you were talking about earlier, Janelle. I would love that ability as well to have, uh, you know, a... Uh, 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 turn by turn, almost built in there as well as a, as another option. Um, but there's so many features that I think Soundscape could shine on that that cooperation would be so hang, absolutely right, hang, hang fantastic. On, hang on. I, sorry, I have to jump in and ask this question. And if if this is the case, if the app is so popular and everyone loves it, and we do, we all as a community seem to just based on the reaction you guys have got at NCBI, the reaction, the, uh, reaction we got here at Double Tap and, and other shows and other places and online. Why don't we just set a subscription on it and let the community take charge? So I guess from my point of view, uh, when we talk about uh, sustainability, because we've only released the app uh, just a couple of months ago at the end of uh, August, we're still very much in the process of of learning. And uh, maybe one of the things that hopefully will come through the the podcast here is – you'll almost be acting as a matchmaking or an introductory uh, service to uh, uh, work that <laughs> oh, we're doing again. to voice we're Vista doing and, <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the Scottish Tech Army. But here's the thing, John L, right? And, and this is the point for me, I think, is that I think some kind of uh, version of this that comes out in the future could be twofold, right? So you've got that capability to work with partners so that not one individual organization runs. I'm totally with you on that, 100% on that. But I think that also for its continued development, what we have seen time and time and time again are developers who create apps for our community who will sell them at a decent price and then suddenly realize there's no money coming in and they cannot continue to develop. And obviously that's a bit different if you've got lots of organizations involved but I think we as a community can contribute to that, and I think it would then allow it to grow even more. That's that's my take on it. I'm not well, saying why we should. Why couldn't I, a I donation want... model work in yeah, the same even that, respect? Yeah. But yeah. I think, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Jarnell, but I think there is a donation model yeah. available for a Sensegate so community. We we do on our website have a donation button and invite, of course, people to uh, to donate. It all helps with the upkeep and. Uh, and, uh, and and paying costs and so on. But well, see, I like I that. Things... I like that because then it's it's a case of you can contribute if you can. That's Absolutely. even better, Absolutely. actually. But yeah. at the same time, I guess given the uh, expertise and experience of the different organisations in our consulting, for example, one of the things that we're looking at is exploring a number of different sort of business models that will allow this to be um, self-sustaining. And uh, to a point where it's actually generating revenue that allows us to uh, mm. not just invite contributions to the uh, from the open source community, but to recognise those uh, uh, contributions in in some way or other. Because um, at the moment uh, we've got great support and great investment from all the different partners involved, but what we don't want to do is to count on that continuing forever. So looking at different ways in which we can fund or generate revenue is absolutely uh, key to uh, the approach that we're taking. And whether that's looking at subscriptions or looking at freemium or looking at um, organizations that are willing to pay for audio augmented experiences, there's a whole gamut of different uh, uh, areas that we're uh, currently looking at and uh, and we'll sort of trial in the, uh, the coming months. But the goal is 
yeah, absolutely, to make this uh, sustainable, to make it uh, something that invites and and actually grows the contribution within the open source community, but also extends our reach of partners, ultimately helping us to get this to more people and on all the, the key platforms, key mobile devices that people use. And well, that's an excellent point you bring up. Uh, Android. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's a fair point, right? It's a yeah. very, very yeah. popular. A lot of people use Android. Mm-hmm. And um, currently, it's not available. Is, is that changing anytime soon? Well, it's certainly something that if we're successful in the approach that we're uh, taking, we uh, know that needs to be uh, addressed. What is the, the reason why it's it's not an easy matter? As someone who knows nothing about coding, Janelle, <laughs> why, is, why is the Android version, uh, have? is there a technical reason why it's more difficult on an Android OS? I mean, I think one of the things that we did while we were at Microsoft, uh, initially focusing on um, iOS and, uh, and Apple devices, was certainly within where the team was based, the UK and the US. The majority of people in the blind low vision community used iPhones. And because this was such new and novel technology, we really wanted to test and validate uh, that what we were working on, the experiences, etc., were making a real difference, were adding value to a uh, to a person. And I think up until the point that um, Microsoft took the decision to uh, sunset the product, I think we'd arrived at a version of Soundscape that was pretty well contained in terms of the capabilities it provided and the experiences it enabled people to have. So then you naturally start thinking about, okay, well, how do we then make this available to, to more people uh, across more platforms around the uh, the entire world? Yeah. And Aoife, from, from your point of view, I'm intrigued to know uh, what you think about all of this from an organization point of view, right? Because this must be great to to have the organization's name next to such an app that is so well-respected in the community. Yeah, it's fantastic. It was um, Chantelle, really, who um, was the original uh, member of the the Soundscape community from the Possibility Lab within the NCBI. Um, I think she was instrumental in actually bringing it to Ireland in the first place. Um, so it, it's, it's tremendous that we can work with our service users, listen to our service users, um, and bring it back to if there's any suggestions for any improvements developments anything you know we're right in the center to to push things on really it's fantastic opportunity yeah i just want to go back to that point earlier that you talked about with orientation and mobility because that intrigues me i i didn't give that much thought that because i suppose i'm i'm trying to think the last time i had orientation and mobility training goodness it was uh yeah that long ago um but you know it was so long ago that i don't think phones were invented and i mean even the landline so you know <laughs> i i didn't have any technology i think the liquid level indicator was the absolute height of technological innovation at that time right. uh, and so you know the idea of my orientation and mobility specialist taking me out there and you know actually using these devices is new to me but that of course is such a big part and i guess it's not just about the app itself but the fact that you're able to showcase this app to to customers and, and service users as well right absolutely yeah so you know we would work with people when they have developed their mobility skills to a level where they would be safe um to get around and about independently anyway um so i suppose they can get around anyway and this is to help 
them to get about anyway, you know. So mm. they, it just gives that layer of independence um, that people know where they are without needing to continually use physical landmarks as they're walking down the street. Um, the location and direction of markers are called out as they're walking. The intersections are called out as they're walking, whether they're on the left-hand side, right-hand side, or whatever is straight ahead. Um, the fact that routes can be shared from person to person. So, um, you know, if, if I'm training with somebody and I want them to walk from the bus station to the train station, I can lay down um, a number of markers in between the two and they can, like breadcrumbs, can follow um, the markers. Um, it, it's just a, a fantastic way to, to continue training somebody who has the mobility skills um, but may need for some reason to learn a new route. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily have to be there with them because I, I'm confident in the skills that they would have already, um, but can just help them with the development of the route. Um, the technology in headphones as well has to be mentioned that it's the, the advances that have been made are amazing. So headphones can be safe to use by somebody who would be also using other uh, sounds that are coming in from the environment. They can, they can be used at the same time without interrupting those sounds that are coming in. Um, and because Soundscape is, runs so much in the background, um, you can use it while you're having a conversation with your friend. It doesn't interrupt that if you're walking alongside somebody. Um, you can use it while listening to music and still have your directions going, not being interrupted by turn-by-turn turn directions. Um, headphones now can uh, detect if there is loud noise in the background and it, you can choose whether your headphone sound goes up or down when that noise is happening. So if you're in a, a loud traffic environment, for, for example, um, you can tell your, your head, you can have told your headphones to turn down so you can hear the, the ambient noise more easily. Um, and even conversations, if you start a conversation with somebody, if you do need to ask directions, um, the headphones can automatically be turned down when you start a conversation. So the, the, it's amazing how safe it can be when you find the right pair of headphones to use them, not blocking out any other sounds that would be used for safety, but also not isolating you from society as you walk. When it comes to technology... And O and M, because we've seen a little crossover recently, haven't we, with products like the WeWalk Smart Cave mm -hmm. and, and all of that? Um, should we rely as much on technology as some of us do, perhaps in lieu of our O and M skills? O and M skills are the the basis of being able to get around and about safely. Um, the technology for me is just um, a layer of comfort which means that you may not have to ask as many directions as you're out and about, but there's no technology yet that I'm aware of that would uh, replace obstacle detection or obstacle avoidance as it would be if it was a dog. Um, there's nothing that replaces that just yet. And can I just ask as well, since we have, uh, and I know you don't like being called an expert, but for the sake of this, I have to call you an expert because it's important for Sean. Uh, yes. He has he has a white cane. I'm sorry, I'm throwing you under the bus here. He's got I a white cane. I knew you were going to go he, here. He hasn't been trained on it. Is that, is that legal? 
Yeah. <laughs> Basically, he wants me put in prison. I want him arrested uh, him. immediately for white cane I've, crimes. I've never had O and M training. Never had okay. it. And okay, I, I don't can, know what to say uh, to that. Can I can I have a turn to ask a question? But why have you not had O and M training? Oh, because I've never asked for it. I suppose is the stupid answer to that. I, I just never asked for it. It was never offered, and I never asked for it. So you it's, feel it's, you don't need it? Um, oh, he needs it. I don't feel I need <laughs> it, but absolutely everyone else in my life, yes, says I need it. Um, I don't travel a lot, so basically that's why it's never become a major issue for me. But saying that, I have a, a few years now, I have virtually no vision so it has become a lot more of an issue for me okay it's fine you can call me stupid no no i'm I'm intrigued i'm intrigued i suppose i've got lots of questions for you that you know might not be appropriate for we we should we should get you back on we should have this conversation another time Aoife, because honestly i'd I'd love to i have to say i think a lot of this can be down to local councils and their lack of resources and a lot of things. So I, I do think that it's more than just, it's not Sean being stupid, definitely not. No. Um, I think a lot of this is down to resources. And, you know, I think sometimes I know my, from my own experience, I remember once calling up my social work office, my local office, and they, they asked me if I needed any support. And I said, no, I'm actually all good. And they said, oh, we love clients like you. Um, you know, so it's almost like, you know, <laughs> pass. Um but anyway, that's a that's a subject for another time. But uh, I, yeah, that, I could you, I could be here all day now if we get talking. I love it. Wow. About that. Let's do it again. Let's definitely get Show back. Show on the couch. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Therapy with Sean. Um, so, David, let me come to you and yeah. uh, ask you uh, about NCBI because you mentioned you've got a lot of content and podcasts. So, come on, promote that for us. Tell tell everyone. Oh, where, you're, where you're getting me catch. to do the plug, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, no, we we do have uh, loads of content. Um, um, we have uh, a podcast, not too dissimilar from this one, although we're we're not as frequent. You guys go daily. How do you do that? Um, we do you, have. Do talk- you not talk about tech either? Uh, so yes, we that's do. How we do. <laughs> yeah, so, that's where you're well, going wrong. Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's a model. I'll have to pitch that at the 2024 planning meeting. So we'll have to work that out. Um, yeah, we try and stay on the technology front. Not always. We, we oh, uh, yeah, I know we we do. Uh, go outside that barrier sometimes but we do have the talking technology podcast um and we also have a, a weekly technology uh newsletter uh so generally we try and have say three high quality articles in that now you know high quality that's got to be different tastes but we try and have something maybe for the android fans the ios fans a lot of people now are really into the smart home and i i include myself in that i'm a major smart home fan so there, there's so much technology out there so we cover that as well we have ncbi live radio um so that's available on smart speakers and stuff too and uh yeah there's loads of different content most recently we've got a youtube channel which is great. So we're slowly expanding it. Uh, we've kind of been expanding this slowly but surely over the past year. Um, so yeah, people can go check it out. There's loads of stuff there. Um, a, a lot of stuff recently. We've been covering all the the really cool stuff around Be My AI. Um, and uh, today, as we record this, we we've just been looking at a uh, Seeing AI um, have introduced some very similar features. So there's always cool stuff on the technology front. 
uh, for those with sight loss. And we, we try our best to stay on top of it. Uh, John, I'll final word to you because, you know, you're the guy who uh, co-founded Soundscape. Uh, again, huge, huge props to you. Um, Absolutely. Where are you now with this project? Looking, you know, forward as opposed to where you were, looking from this point forward, what are your hopes and dreams for this app? Well, gosh, that's a, uh, that's, that's a great question. And I think, and, and I'm sure Aoife and, and David would echo this as well. Now that we've released it, of course, we want to spread the word. We want more people using it. We want to uh, add as much value to uh, the end user as possible. But given that we've only released it a couple of months ago, we're still very much in the learning phase. And I think what we really want to be able to do is to grow and scale. Now, whether that's obviously working through uh, um, some of the organizations that you've mentioned, Scottish Tech Army, Voice Vista, et cetera, but also more broadly across the community, we ultimately want to uh, grow the features, the capability, the value that it has for the end user so that uh, ultimately the impact that we know and that we see Soundscape having on people's lives is uh, available and accessible to uh, everyone everywhere. That's the uh, the ultimate uh, ambition. And to do so in a way that's uh, scalable and sustainable and recognizes the um, contribution of individuals and organizations in that very community-driven way, uh, I think from a values point of view is, 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 is really important too. It's great what Jarnell says. I guess I'm primarily a user of Soundscape, but what I've always loved about Soundscape is its versatility and that you can use it in so many different ways. Like I remember discussing with Aoife not that long ago, a way in which I would use Soundscape to know when to get off a bus. So I, I would set a marker and I, I you know, as the bus w- would come along, you know, I'd hear that that, uh, that marker would be uh, closer and closer to me. And then I'd know as that gets closer, I, I'd be u- able to use that as an indication of when to get off. And I think there's so many little things like that, that Soundscape just works brilliantly for. And I think that will only expand in the future. And that's one of the reasons I'm really excited about the future of Soundscape. From my perspective, I suppose, um, the use of Soundscape is really only limited by the imagination Um it's fantastic for open spaces, which, you know, would be very difficult uh, to navigate ordinarily. Um, so, you know, you can drop your your marker as a beacon in a particular part of an open, open space and you can wander and you can know where you are always in relation to that starting point. Um, I really like the use of us going for a walk on a beach, you know, so that you can walk and walk and walk on a, on a, an otherwise... Um, landmark free zone but always be able to come back off the beach at the exact point where you started which makes your your onward journey much easier then um people use it kayaking you know there's not many landmarks out there on the lake so it's fantastic to be able to use soundscape to know what direction you need to paddle in to get back to the key um, so it really, it is just, um, and there's, there's an amazing number of uses for it, really. We just need to think about them. Yeah, we, we do have listeners in Canada who do exactly that, and I'm sure around the world as well, who 
absolutely love kayaking. I can think of one in particular who, who listens to it. And, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, again, this was exactly why he loved Soundscape. And, and that's it. Um, guys, I could talk to you all day. This is such an interesting conversation. You guys are amazing. And thank you so much for giving us your time here on Double Tap. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Really thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun today. Thank you so much for listening. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Get in touch and tell us your thoughts on the subjects discussed. Also, you can uh, get in touch with us by calling one 4567 We'll be back tomorrow. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.